0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investor Polly Podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about pooled super funds and how their tax treatment, or really how they treat their tax liabilities, can have a negative impact on your super balance. But before I get into it, I'd just like to shout out to Stephen who emailed me the idea for this topic. So I appreciate you sharing your ideas. And of course, if there's anything you'd like me to write about or commentate on, I can't promise to do so, but let me know. Anyway, let's talk about pooled super funds. And pooled super funds are really kind of unitized super funds, much like the industry super funds. And so what I wanted to talk about is how they deal with taxation liabilities and what negative impact that can have on your balance longer term. And then talk about some direct investment ownership options that you can have within super not only self managed super fund but probably my favorite which is a wrap platform okay let's talk about pooled super funds so a pooled super fund is really like a unitized investment where the super member effectively buys units in their chosen investment option such as balanced growth typical sort of mixed investment options that most super funds provide and so what the super fund needs to do at the end of the day the super fund must estimate the value of these units And in order to do that, what they need to do is take the market value of the underlying investments and make adjustments to those figures to account for various expenses, including transaction and selling costs. They've got to take into account any tax credits or any accrued income that might have occurred. And then also take into account any taxation liabilities, including taxation on unrealized capital gains. So really, the unit price must really reflect the value of what you can sell your investment at. So, if you decided to roll over your super at the end of that particular day, net of taxes and so forth, what is that balance worth? Of course, the notable drawback here is capital gains tax liabilities. That is, they're deducted from your super balance, even though you haven't sold. Now, of course, as a unitized product, they have to do that because if people withdraw their money and they don't net off taxation liabilities, the remaining members in that super fund will pick up the bill, and that's not fair. But we know to maximize investment returns, we should try try and minimize investment turnover, which is buying and selling investments. And if we minimize investment turnover, that obviously minimizes transactional costs, but also minimizes paying taxation liabilities. Now, obviously, a pulled superannuation arrangement doesn't really allow you to achieve that because your balance is reducing if you haven't divested or sold any of your investments. So the solution to this disadvantage is, is to use an arrangement that allows you to maintain direct investment ownership within super. And so this really allows you to avoid your balance reducing if you haven't actually sold your investments. And in fact, you can purposely try to minimise turnover, which will obviously reduce taxation liabilities and therefore maximise your super balance. And in fact, if you can hold on those investments until retirement, it's entirely possible you'll avoid paying any capital gains tax because as we know, once a balance moves into pension phase, it attracts a zero rate on investment returns, both income and capital gains. And so by having that direct investment option, you've got the potential to continue to hold on to an investment for 20 years, whatever it might be, uh, and avoid paying any tax, which obviously is a pretty attractive option. Now, if you have a self managed super fund, you can further delay paying tax if you use a registered tax agent to lodge their tax return, of course. So, super funds have to lodge their return at the end of February following the end of the financial year, so eight months after the financial year. So, if you have a self managed super fund that crystallizes a really large once off capital gain, you've got another eight months before you actually pay that tax. Whereas, if you were in a pooled arrangement, that tax would be deducted from your super balance uh, as soon as the gain was crystallised. And look, it's worth benching. although it's not particularly related to tax, the other major advantage of having direct investments within your super is that you've got full control and transparency over those investments. So that is, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I talk about an evidence-based low-cost index investment methodologies that are being proven to yield better returns than active investment options and active and often more costly investment options. So it allows you to employ that sort of methodology when investing in a super. Additionally, ethical investing is becoming more popular and so having that direct control enables people to avoid investments that don't align to their ethical values. So that could be fossil fuel emitters, weapons, child labour, these sorts of activities. So having that direct investment option certainly gives you more control and transparency, notwithstanding some tax planning opportunities as well. So what are the direct investment options for super? So really there's two. There's a self-managed super fund which have been spoken about a lot and then lesser known kind of RAP platform. So a self-managed super fund really is just a discretionary trust specifically created for the sole purpose of providing retirement benefits to members. And of course, it's got to comply with Superannuation Industry Supervision Act or the SIS Act, which is all the rules and regulations around super. A self-managed super fund can have one member or it can have up to six members. So you can include family members there. Every member either needs to be a trustee or a director of the trustee Company and a self-managed super fund has lots of compliance obligations, and I've included a link to a booklet that the ATO has put together that sort of talks about those in great detail. The main compliance obligation involves preparing audited financial statements and filing two returns: a tax return and an annual return. And of course, you need an accountant to be able to do that. So that's a self-managed super fund. A wrap platform is like an individual super account that's in your personal name that provides. Diverse investment options, you know, typically managed funds, ETFs, lifts of shares, and so forth. A good way to think about it, it's like a little bit like an online share trading account, you know, where you can log in and you can make certain investments. The accounts in your name, you can deposit withdrawal, where you can't withdraw from super, of course, but you can certainly make contributions. And essentially the wrap provider handles all the administrative tasks. So it's a lot less cumbersome than managing a self-managed super fund. And also it tends to be a lot cheaper as well and you don't have that burden of having to sort of worry about contribution limits and meeting all the requirements that a self-managed super fund needs to meet. In fact, the only thing you need to worry about is how and where to invest your monies. And I wrote a blog about rap platforms a couple of years ago. Again, the link is in the blog on the website, uh, so you can certainly check that out. So which direct investment option suits you best? Well, of course, I don't know because I don't know your personal circumstances, but I can talk about generalities. And usually, I only suggest establish a self-managed super fund if you're interested in investing in unlisted assets, such as direct residential commercial property, unlisted property trusts, collectibles, these sorts of things. That's the only way you can invest your super in anything that's unlisted is via a self-managed super fund. But if you don't need unlisted assets, then a wrap platform is almost certainly going to be more cost-effective. And as I said, it doesn't come with the compliance burden. So it's a lot more hands-off to sort of manage. I guess it's worth noting that self-managed super funds do provide specific estate planning advantages. So if you have more complex circumstances like a blended family, special need beneficiary, these sorts of things, a self-managed super fund actually can do some things that other super funds can't. But that's not that common, I would say. So whilst we're on the subject of taxation and returns, it's really important to consider the components of your overall return. Which is going to be, there's only two components, of course capital growth and income. And of course, the goal is to maximize your total return on an after tax basis. So therefore, it's really important then to consider how much income and how much capital growth will I get from my portfolio and then from my individual investment options. And of course, holding everything else equal, the more capital growth you have and the less income you have, the better off you are. Because as I said, you'll pay tax on the income each year, albeit at 15% in the super fund. But potentially, if you can delay the capital gain for as long as possible, not only you benefit from the time value of money, but then potentially, if you're able to delay it until you're in pension phase, you get to avoid the capital gains tax altogether. And so the goal here is really to maximize the compounding capital growth over time and let your pre-tax returns compound and compound until eventually maybe one day you've got to pay the tax or maybe one day not. Anyway, so I looked at some common investment options that people would invest in. I've seen clients invest in either through a self-managed super fund or a RAP platform and had a look at what proportion of income have they delivered over the last 10 years in terms Of or comparison to their total return. And so Australian shares, for example, delivered 67% in income. International shares delivered 40% in income. And diversified ETFs, so diversified ETFs are those that allow you to invest in multiple sub-asset classes all in one particular product. They've actually delivered 71% of their total return in income. Now, of course, we can't construct a portfolio solely just to reduce income or minimize income. We need to to have a asset allocation that's going to expose the portfolio to quality returns and also reduce the portfolio's risk, but returns another consideration. And I mentioned this primarily for two reasons. The first one is that self-directed Australians that are either running their own self-managed super fund or RAP platform tend to be too heavily focused on the Australian stock exchange. And as a result, they don't have enough exposure to international markets. And so not only are they missing out on good investment opportunities because the Australian market only accounts for 2% of the global market. So you're really missing out on 98% of what else is out there. But also international investments tend to deliver more capital return and less income over time, which is kind of pretty tax effective as I've been talking about today. The second reason I mention this data is that diversified ETFs are growing in popularity. And there's two benefits of using a diversified ETF. Firstly, the ETF, allows you to access various sub-asset classes in one single investment. So it's very easy. You don't need to decide how much to put in international markets and so forth, which leads me into the second benefit. You've got a professional manager managing that asset allocation, whether it's BetaShares or Vanguard, whoever the ETF provider is. They're the ones that sit down with their investment committee and work out how much are we going to put in the Australian market, how much in the international market, etc., etc. So it's a very attractive and simple investment option But as I've highlighted here, the big drawback is that 70% or more of its return is going to be delivered in terms of income. And as a result, it's going to crystallize some taxation liabilities. So those people sitting back thinking, well, this is easy. Well, I'm just going to get a wrap platform and put all my money in a diversified ETF. Whilst you're solving one tax problem, you're actually creating another one by doing that. Now, having said all that, we've got to acknowledge that the best performing industry super funds have delivered double digit returns over last decade or so. So even despite their tax inefficiency... The returns have still been really good. They're pretty cost effective, particularly if you have a lower balance, and they're very hands-off, it doesn't really require a lot of input from you or a lot of oversight from you in terms of managing your super. So whilst these negative attributes do exist and I acknowledge that, they're not terrible option. So I guess you're probably asking then, Stuart, what is the point of the episode? You know, when would you consider abandoning a pool investment option so not using an industry fund super fund anymore? And really the The investors with the higher super balance, industry funds become less and less attractive for a whole host of different reasons, and tax planning is one of them. But probably the most compelling is the fact that industry super funds charge percentage-based fees. Now, percentage-based fees are fine if your balance is fifty thousand and you're paying half a percent in fees. It's not a lot of money in dollar terms. But if your balance is a million dollars, you end up starting to pay, you know, six, ten thousand dollars a year just in investment and administration fees. And that's when it really starts to add up. But also when you have a high balance, that's when these tax attributes and tax treatments start to also become problematic, particularly in dollar value terms. So I think pooled superannuation arrangements, whilst they aren't perfect and really no solution is perfect, no solution ticks all the boxes, I think a really good option to invest your super for most Australians. But for those people with balances north of maybe half a million dollars, they should start to really think about having a direct investment option. If it's not for just the comfort of having that transparency and control over your super, or if it's not for ethical investing and so forth, you certainly should start thinking about it to sort of lower those percentage-based fees or minimize those percentage -based fees as your balance increases, and then deal with those tax attributes in a way that's going to help you maximize your retirement savings over time. So there you go. That's a bit of food for thought for you. Again, thanks a lot to Stephen for giving me this topic. And of course, if anyone has any topics they'd like me to talk about, more than happy to take suggestions on board. Can't always promise to do it, but of course, I'm happy to receive those suggestions. And if you enjoy the podcast, just a a gentle reminder to certainly share it amongst family and friends and leave a rating or a like on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Thanks again. Until next week. Bye for now.